You know what's really scary? Finding leftovers in the toilet, especially when you live alone. So who's been leaving them in your bathroom? This world is a strange one. Let's just get straight to it. Restrooms and bathrooms are creepy and awkward, especially the public ones. For the first 20 years of my life, I was too afraid of using public restrooms because the kids at my school used to think it was funny if they'd catch you going number two in the toilet. Kids are just mean like that. But let's get serious. These allegedly true stories are about to show us what we should really fear when we use the restroom. By the way, I hope you guys enjoyed my recent skits and live action segments. I'm having fun with my new camera and I have a lot of ideas for new stuff on the show. But my wedding is coming up this month, so for a while I won't have time for those types of videos. Hopefully soon I can get back to those lighthearted skits and maybe some more interviews. Anyway, let's take a look at this dump of scary bathroom stories. Number one, locked in the dentist's bathroom. Submitted by it's Leigh Ashton. This happened March 15th of this year, and I still find it extremely strange and terrifying. It was a Wednesday afternoon. My dad had just picked me up from school, and we were on our way to the dentist's office for my appointment. I'd complained on the way there that I had to use the bathroom, so I was told to wait until we get there. Before I continue with the story, let me just say that the dentist's office is inside this really old building. It's three stories tall, and there's a whole bunch of different businesses inside. You can tell how old the building is just by looking at the bricks on the outside. They're weathered and chipped away. They used to be red, but now they're multiple shades of brown that really don't match the rest of the building anymore. The place looks like it has quite the history, well, the dentist's office is on the second floor and there's a bathroom beside it. So we arrived at the dentist's office and before we entered the office itself, my dad asked me if I needed to use the restroom still. Now, I don't really like using public restrooms because of germs and awkward people. So bravely holding it in, I said no. We entered the dentist's office and sat down my dad asked me again if I was sure that I didn't need to use the bathroom. He's concerned about everyone in the family just like a good dad is. And as the urge was getting worse, I finally caved in. I went to the dentist's office desk and I asked for the key to the bathroom. Without a word or even acknowledgement, the lady behind the desk gave me the key and I headed to the bathroom. I unlocked the door and I couldn't get it unlocked fast enough. I went inside and I did my business. And while I was doing that, I couldn't help but notice the bathroom itself. The appliances and hardware was new, just like any good dentist's office. They maintained it and kept it up to date. But the walls were still brick walls and they were still as weathered and old as the bricks outside. It was like a new bathroom in a very old building. It gave me the creeps thinking about all the lives that have been lived here all the business that had gone down. And I began to wonder exactly how many years old this building was. I finished up, then I went to wash my hands and then I walked to the door. I turned the doorknob 
but it wouldn't budge. I saw that it had a keyhole on the inside, so I put the key in it, and I thought it went in, but I guess it didn't, because the door still didn't open. I repeated it several times, but the key just wouldn't work. Quickly, I began to panic. A dentist appointment is scary enough as it is, and now I had to deal with this. So quickly, in rapid succession, I would put the key in, turn it, and turn the doorknob, and again and again, it wouldn't work. Now, keep in mind that this is a single bathroom, just a toilet and a sink, really, so I was definitely alone in that bathroom. But all of a sudden, as I focused really hard on the door, I began to hear noises behind me, and at the same time, I began to see the light flicker in the reflection of the doorknob. The sound I was hearing, it was like the pitter-patter of something wet hitting the floor, and it slowly got louder and worse. At that point, I was too afraid to look behind me. I was afraid of what I might see, who I might see. Instead, I slowly pulled my cell phone out of my pocket and dialed my dad's number. When he answered, I was nearly in tears when I told him that I was trapped in the bathroom and that I was hearing something. I could hear him audibly laugh from the other side and he said he'd be coming to get me. 20 seconds later, I heard a knock at the door, but it wasn't coming from the door I was trying to open. I looked in the direction of the noise, which came from the wall just to my left, while trying to ignore the dripping noises that were getting closer behind me. In fact, there was another door, a door that I hadn't entered through, a door that I didn't even see was there when I was in here. Not until just that moment. What was going on, I thought to myself, because I remembered walking straight into the bathroom, not walking down a hallway to enter it, not taking any odd turns. I remember opening the bathroom door and the sink being on my left, not straight ahead of me like it would have been if I had somehow come through that door. But I shook off the confusion because my fear and anxiety was getting the better of me. All I thought then was that I needed to get out of there as fast as possible. I walked over to this other door and I could even see my dad's shadow from the other side standing there and I was finally beginning to feel safe. Then very suddenly, the lights in the bathroom turned off. I nearly screamed, but I caught myself, covering my mouth with my hand, leaving only one sound in the bathroom, the pitter-patter of dripping water just behind me. It reminded me of the water dripping off of your body right after you get out of the shower. I knew then that I really wasn't alone in that small room. I struggled with the doorknob, unable to make out the keyhole to use the key on it. I yanked as hard as I could and I pushed my whole weight against the door, unsure of how it even opened, but still, it wouldn't budge. Just when I thought all hope was lost, the door opened from the other side and I fell forward onto the carpeted ground where my dad was standing. At that point, I really was crying. Right away, I looked behind me, back into the bathroom. I was feeling safe enough to confront whatever was making those noises, but there was nothing there. The light in the bathroom was now on again, and I was left completely terrified and unable to utter a word. My dad picked me up off the ground and shut the door, 
and I noticed that this door did not have a keyhole. I honestly never thought I'd see the light of day again, or my family again, so I was pretty happy to be there with my dad, even if he was laughing at my mishap. Plus, my phone was at 1%. If I had decided to call him any later, I might have never left that bathroom. But even after begging my dad to just take me home, away from that strange building, away from that dark restroom, he forced me to go through the dentist appointment. The entire time I found myself looking over my shoulder, sure that some pale hand was going to grab onto me at any second. Luckily, it never happened. The dentist appointment went very well. And let me just say that I won't make a big deal over going to an appointment ever again, so long as it's not at this building, so long as I can stay far and away from that bathroom. The stranger part, though, was that I was unable to find the original door that I entered, the one with the keyhole, the one that actually required a key to get into. It doesn't make any sense to me. If the entry to the bathroom doesn't require a key, why did they give me one when I asked to use the bathroom? Is there another entrance that I can't find now, one that I somehow accidentally stumbled upon? Part of me wants to go back and find that door even if I have to enter the bathroom just to see it again. And another part of me tells me I'm crazy. That same part of me believes that I entered some sort of glitch in the matrix, some place I shouldn't have been, a place where something had been waiting for someone to come along, and that something almost got its wet grasp on me. Number two, the weird restroom visitor. Submitted by Asian Girl 001. The story happened two years ago in a Shopco restroom. I was shopping with my brother, my two nephews, and a niece. My youngest nephew needed to use the bathroom, so my other nephew decided to help him out and escort him. But only five minutes later, my nephew came back needing help, so my brother decided to go and help them. While they were in there, my niece and I were joking around and looking at clothes, but then we came back to the bathrooms and waited. After two minutes, a very large man came to us and greeted us. We didn't greet him back. He didn't work there, we were sure about it, and he had this weird tone in his voice that I didn't like. Call me rude, but I didn't want to talk to some stranger, I'm sorry. The man then went to the restroom where my brother and nephews were. My niece and I looked at each other, scared and paranoid. I know he could have been nice, but again, I just didn't trust him. As we were waiting so long, we suggested that we go use the bathroom as well, just in case. In our Shopco, the boys' and girls' bathrooms were across from each other, so if my nephew was done, then they could knock on the door and call us out. I really needed to go, but my niece bolted into the restroom before me, so I just walked in. We had already finished shopping, so we carried the bags inside. We had like five bags altogether. My niece and I were arguing who should go to the bathroom first, but I won. My niece was going to leave the bags by the sink, but I told her to bring them with her because I didn't want our stuff stolen. I went into the stall and she waited for me right by the sinks, and we were just talking as I did my business. Then someone came in and the two of us kept quiet. I thought it was another woman, just some stranger who needed to use the bathroom too. 
But then I stopped when I saw under the stall, the person put their things down. Then I saw them crouch towards the toilet. At first, I thought they were about to puke, but then I saw their hands on the ground. And then I heard, hello, I, I've missed you. Y you there? I see your legs. I miss you so much. This person began to move around the stall. She sounded like a woman, a much older woman. I became scared and I wondered if my niece was okay. I slowly got up from my seat. I swallowed hard and took a big breath. Then I literally ran out of the stall. As soon as I exited the stall, the strange woman stood up and stared at me. She must have been in her late 40s, but she looked at me and reached out her hands, saying the same thing again. Hello? Yes, it's you. I, I've missed you so much. I just shook my head and ran out of the bathroom. My niece had been waiting outside. She had left when the weird lady had entered, so she didn't see what had happened. I'm glad she left when she did. I didn't want her to be targeted by this psycho woman. While we waited for the boys to come out of the bathroom, we hid in the clothes section, keeping an eye on the woman's bathroom, but the woman never came out. For a long time after this experience, I was wary of using any more public restrooms, and to this day, I try to make it home before I have to do business, because it's just not worth it if you have to run into some weirdo in the restroom. This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the US. Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode on Falconer, New York, deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate, with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry while Steve separately researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in, or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Number three, McDonald's Creeper, submitted by Sarah M. I'm 15 years old and I'm from Scotland. This experience has really shaken me up for the past year. And just so you know ahead of time, this guy was never caught. My friends and I were having a great day one day 
we were out for our best friend Kyle's birthday. We were goofing around different stores, weirding out some people, bothering others. We even got ourselves kicked out of Primark and Paper Chase. So after an evening of mostly drinking Red Bulls and rock stars, we got really hungry really fast. So we decided to go to a McDonald's. It was the closest thing to the mall we were in. By the time we entered the restaurant, it was 11 p.m. that night, and the first thing we noticed was that it was very empty, apart from this one man sitting in a booth alone in the far right corner. Yet the moment we had entered, he began staring us down, as if we were weird for coming in the store at all. It really bothered me and freaked me out, but no one else in the group seemed to have the same red flags as I did, so I tried my best to ignore him, I didn't want to be a bummer and ruin our good time. Still, the man, just the appearance of him, it was enough to bother me. He had really long and just as greasy black hair, and he was wearing clothing I could only describe as tramp-like. It was torn at the seams in places, there were holes in it, and it looked like he hadn't washed it since he found it, and found it I'm sure he did. My friends and I ordered our food, and we claimed the booth closest to the entrance of the McDonald's. I was really regretting all those energy drinks I had drank, and I found myself in dire need of going to the restroom. I told Kyle where I was going, then I took off. I went into the restroom and found myself a stall. Right in the middle of doing my business and relieving myself, I suddenly hear the door to the bathroom open. It was open very quietly, like whoever was coming in didn't want people to know that they were coming inside. That in and of itself is very creepy. Right then I knew it wasn't any of my friends. They would have slammed the door open like it was nobody's business when they walked in. I remained quiet as I heard this person walk up to my stall. Then it got silent. They stopped at my stall and just stood there. I could see their faint shadow in the bathroom's lights. I could no longer continue my business, and I found it difficult to breathe. I was beginning to panic. Then the weirdo did something I didn't expect. They got on their hands and knees, then peered under my stall, poking their head underneath it. I screamed, and the guy gave me this creepy smile. He showed his teeth when he smiled, whatever teeth he had left. Most of them were missing, and those that were there were brown and dark yellow. I swear I could smell him from there. Then he spoke to me, if that wasn't creepy enough. He said in a low voice, I can't wait, I can't wait. I didn't let him keep going, because I threw the stall door open, causing him to fall into his side hard, releasing a grunt. I pulled up my jeans and I ran, my friends looked at me concerned. They asked me if I was the one that screamed. Then I saw the man sprint out of the exit of the McDonald's and he ran down the street. I explained what happened and even they told me to call the police. When the police arrived, they had me describe what he looked like. But as I was so panicky and still so shaken up, I'm afraid I didn't give them a good enough description. I still can't believe that this happened to me. That day proved to me that nowhere is safe. Even if it seems cowardly, the best way to go about doing things is to always have someone at your side. If you go to the bathroom, guy or girl, 
bring a friend with you. Talk to them while you're in the stall because when you go alone anywhere, you're basically just sitting ducks. Number four, scary school experience, submitted by Safia. When I was in middle school, we had this very bizarre experience. The story involves my two best friends, let's call them Gracie and Penelope, as well as my boyfriend Xavier and my brother Jaden. Early one morning, a couple of days before the incident, when our bus arrived, there was this commotion going on. A kid had been screaming at a teacher to give his phone back, but we're not allowed to have them during school hours, so of course he wasn't getting it back. But the kid got worse. He began screaming that he was going to kill himself or even someone else if he didn't get it back. Needless to say, the teacher never gave it back. That's the school rules for you. I began to feel uneasy because that sounded very threatening and I was worried because the school didn't do a single thing after hearing those threats. Jaden just said I was being paranoid. He reassured me that the kid says that stuff all the time, but that made it even worse because him getting that angry at a teacher could have been the tipping point. Maybe that's what made him get serious. I wasn't sure. All I knew was it sounded really bad and had me creeped out. The rest of the day went by fine with no other complications with that kid. Five days later, Xavier went to run to the office to turn in his attendance for our teacher. But a couple of minutes after he left, we heard the teachers yelling across the hall in the middle of our social studies lesson. Our homeroom teacher went into the hall and shut the door behind herself the doors at our school lock automatically when you close them, so people on the outside can't get in without a key. When this went down, we were more curious and interested, and we gathered around the door to see out the window. But then we heard a teacher yell to call 911, and as soon as we heard that, our classroom broke into chaos. We were trapped in a room, all the while, for some reason we didn't know of, 911 was called. What was going on? was all I could think to myself. I asked my friends around me what was going on, but for the longest time, no one knew. We didn't have a teacher to guide us, to tell us to keep our heads down, to let us in on this situation, and I think that made it far worse. Eventually, our teacher did come back, telling us to stay calm and having us duck on the same wall next to the door. That was the blind spot for anyone that might try to peer in from the door. After a long and horrifying day just sitting there, everything finally stopped and the news slowly poured out of what happened. That kid from the other day, he had locked some kids in the bathroom with him, saying that he would hurt them, but he was delusional because the only thing he had in that bathroom with him was a piece of paper and an eraser. There was no way anyone was going to get hurt, but they didn't know that. When this crazy kid is shouting that he has a weapon and that he was going to hurt people, most of us would assume that he really does have something. And of course, the teachers that watched this go down, that's all they could assume for the sake of the students' lives. So by the end of it, everyone was okay. Except I can't say the same about the kid. You see, what came of the court case was they were going to send him to a mental asylum, but he never made it there because the day before he had to go, 
he hung himself on piano wire. I wish the kid could have gotten help. He obviously needed it. I mean, no normal person does all that just because their phone was confiscated for a while. At first, I thought I was glad that I wasn't in the bathroom with that freak. But after everything, I wish I had been in that bathroom because no one was in any real danger and maybe I could have said something to get through to him. I feel bad for that kid and I wish things didn't turn out that way. And number five, a young mom's rest stop story submitted by T. Brown. This happened in 2000 in Oregon. I was about 26 and I had my children with me, my five-year-old son and my four-year-old daughter. We had moved about 150 miles from the rest of the family. It was close enough to drive over and visit for the weekend and drive back, and that's exactly what we were doing. The drive goes over the Santiam Pass, and parts of it has lots of tight curves. We had a set routine when traveling, something that parents of young children soon figure out. You know, if you don't make restroom stops along certain roads, you'll find yourself pulling over to the side and guiding your child to a relatively close but private spot to take care of their business. Along the Santiam, there's only one small rest stop called the Maples Rest Area, near Gates, Oregon. I've driven this section of road ever since getting my license. As my grandparents lived on the other side of the mountain pass, I was very much used to it by now. As for me, I've always been independent. I'm not afraid to stop and help someone in need, and I have grown up hiking and camping and hunting. I say this to explain that I was in shape, that I considered myself a strong and brave person, especially when it came down to the nitty gritty. On this particular trip over the pass, it was a late start that day. We had begun our journey after dark, probably around eight or 9 p.m. I actually liked driving at night as there's usually less traffic and I just love driving. We made our regular stop at the Maples rest stop. There were about two or three other cars in the parking lot at the time. As a mother, I'm cautious of strangers around my kids as anyone should be they knew to not question what I tell them in certain situations, and I have a specific tone of voice that they know they should always listen to. For example, in stores like Walmart, if I noticed someone paying a little too much attention to them, I would tell my kids to come and hold on to the shopping cart in that tone, and they would always do it without question. And luckily for me, my kids were the types that didn't have a problem putting down their toys to return to me. They knew that that voice might mean danger for both them and me, and it was safest to stick together. Well, when we pulled into the rest stop parking lot, I parked at least two spaces away from the nearest car. It was a full-sized old van. I could see people sitting in another car a little further away, looking like they were getting things situated in their car. My son was going through an independent streak at the time, he wanted to be a big boy and to go in the men's room by himself. I didn't want to, but I had to tell him no, explaining that I couldn't allow it, explaining to him that it was nighttime and that I just didn't feel comfortable letting him go by himself when there were strangers about. He wasn't happy about it, I could tell, but still he complied. We went into the women's restroom, we finished up, and before we exited the restroom, 
When I opened the door, my adrenaline kicked into overtime. As I peeked out the door, I noticed the other car was gone, and I noticed that all that remained was the van in my vehicle. But now the van was turned around and was backed into the space next to my car on the passenger side, the side my kids used to get in and out of the car. They were a little too close for my comfort. Then I heard this creaking sound, like old metal being moved. I turned around and saw what it was. It was one of those rectangular and high up windows being pulled outward, and I saw some man's face peeking through it. When he saw that I saw him, he quickly shut the window, making an audible metal slap, and all that did for me was confirm to me that this situation was in fact a very bad one. I poked my head out of the bathroom door again, noticing that the same face that had been peeking at us was on a man that was walking back to the van next to ours. I'm not sure if he could see me peeking out the door, but he walked into the driver's side of the van, climbed in, then hunkered down where we couldn't see him through the window. I thought to myself, why was he hiding like that? Why was he watching us? Needless to say, I was freaked out and I didn't want to leave that bathroom, let alone let my kids leave or get closer to that van. But we had to make a break for it. We had to get out of there. Otherwise, we were just cornered, cornered in a bathroom that didn't even have locks on it. We stayed in that smelly bathroom for a few minutes as I was thinking of what to do. I knelt down to my kids' levels and I whispered to them what we were going to do. I told them quietly to run to the car as fast as they could, jump inside on the closest side away from the van, then shut the door. I had the key fob, so I would unlock and lock the doors as necessary. I did not want them taking their normally slow time to tease each other and climbing up into their car seats before shutting and locking the doors. They would have to make this one fast, especially with that van sitting there with a big sliding door facing our car, as if some strange man could slide the door open at any time and pull my kids inside. Again, at this point, I couldn't see anyone inside the van, but I knew there was at least one person in there and it was someone that I couldn't trust, someone that was extremely suspicious. My kids complied, racing to the car and jumping inside and I locked the doors. I did it at the same time as well. So in no time flat, we were in the car and pulling out. I had the kids buckle up as I drove away because we didn't have time to hesitate. And as I was in a hurry, I didn't even stop at the stop sign to get on the highway. Luckily, there were no cars coming I pulled out my cell phone, but there was no reception on this stretch of road just yet. I had a decision to make quickly. Do I head west and back towards the nearest town, or do I keep going? The problem with this area is that the towns turn into ghost towns after dark. I also knew from growing up here, this area is covered by one sheriff and could be anywhere up to an hour away. So I made up my mind to go against that logic and drive east towards the mountains. I knew the road as, again, I basically grew up going over it. I turned east and proceeded to speed away, but I soon saw something in my rearview mirror that made me want to puke. The van was following. It was pursuing us. I mean, as soon as it got on the highway with us, it drove within inches of my rear bumper. Then it began to flash their bright lights off and on, as if they were trying to blind me. So I pushed on, going speeds nearly double the speed limit. 
but I knew this road, and I knew I had an advantage if I could make it far enough. I was driving a small car, and they were driving a big van, and only a few miles down the road, there are sharp corners that they would have to slow down for or risk their own lives. And by the time we hit those curves, I had lost them and I finally got reception, but I never slowed my speed as I called 911. I was just thankful that while they could, they didn't just try to run us off the road. Ever since this event, I have nightmares about what could have happened that night. I always go over it in my mind and think, what would I have done if I had not taken those precautions? And what would have happened if they had decided to corner us in that bathroom? I mean, they could have been more aggressive. Whether I liked it or not, they had the advantage. Maybe it was just a scary coincidence, but then again, that man peeked into the bathroom. He was trying to watch us. He didn't want to be seen in his van for what purpose? And why did he tailgate me like that? blinding me with his bright lights. I don't think I'll ever know what was going through his head. Maybe I don't want to know. To all of you out there, keep a close eye on your kids. All it takes is a few seconds and they could be gone forever. Don't forget to wipe your search history after looking up these creepy bathroom stories. Lord knows how that might sound to other people. And maybe the things you hear in these stories might come to find you. Then you'll be the one awkwardly locked in the bathroom fighting for your life. Good luck out there and may you always have enough toilet paper. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send us your true stories at darknessprevails.org. Also, a huge shout out goes out to my newest patron, Creeps Angel. Thank you so much for that extra support. You guys really are the greatest fans. Anyway, to all of you out there, stay safe and stay creepy. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.